Hello to all my people, and if you're listening to this podcast, you're most definitely my people. Welcome to another episode of Botch Bots and Chair Shots. We still have high hopes of delivering quality wrestling content, but if not, we'll deliver mediocre wrestling content, but we'll sprinkle in some interviews and hot takes, you know, so we still get over. I'm your host, a chef by trade and a mark by choice. I am the Will Gray, and I'm glad to be here on this journey, and today that journey is 10 Hot Takes with Kid Bandit. Remember, here at Botch Bots and Chair Shots, we're calling the ring from all the angles. All right, everybody, the team at Botch Bots and Share Shots is super excited about our next guest. Joining us tonight, hailing from the Philippines, a senpai in the streets, but hentai in the sheets. They are the protagonist of pro wrestling, Kid Bandit. Thanks for joining us and chatting about some wrestling. How are you this evening? I just got done. Uh, so I had to kind of postpone a little bit because I had to help train people in wrestling. So that, so that, that we had to like adjust the timetable of this interview, and I humbly apologize for that but i just got done from training uh it was fun i kind of banged up my knee though so i'm in a lot of pain i put bang on it so so it smells really funny how i hear <laughs> nice uh is training something you just recently got into is this something you're you're diving into now i've been training every week uh just you know because it, this is like my uh chosen profession i make sure i hold my craft all the time um that definitely because uh because the infancy of my career uh there's a lot of me for me to work on but I'm also experiencing a, a big limelight in my because of my social media presence so there's a lot of eyes I uh, get booked on like big 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 shows uh re- relatively big shows in comparison to like some of my peers so I definitely have a lot of pressure so I want to make sure that every time I get on these shows I'm not just gonna deliver I'm gonna be superior to not, 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 not for the sake that I'm competing, but because I, I treat wrestling serious. I, I also want to make sure that I'm not getting by, you know, as a, as, as just because I, I got to that point because of my social media presence. I want to also be in that position because I'm good at what I do, you know? Absolutely. Um, would you consider yourself a student of the game then? Somebody who wants to continue to learn every day the craft and the art of pro wrestling? Yeah, yeah. I think the greatest is all time. They never stop learning. Uh, I just uh, got done uh, watching Denise Salcedo's interview with Cody where, you know, he details his experience uh, doing the the New Japan show in Long Beach where he wrestled Okada. And and fun fact, like, apparently Stone Cold was in there. Um, He gave Cody some pointers. And, you know, Cody, Cody's a big name in the industry, but uh, one of the biggest names right now. And the fact that at like that stage in his career, he was still like willing to learn. That means like you know I have a lot to learn because I'm only doing this for nine months. So every every I think everybody needs to always be a student in the game, as it were. You know, you, even like even despite like the tears you are in your career. Absolutely. So let's start at the top. The protagonist of pro wrestling. What does that mean to you as you've continued to develop and become more comfortable in the wrestling business? Uh. I ain't gonna lie i'm figuring it out as i go uh there it, it is a moniker it is the you know as a, as a gimmick as it were but it's also something that i try to adhere to because uh i think now that i've developed a, a cultivated fan base i want to make sure that i portray myself as the character that i want to be not just in wrestling but outside of wrestling and i mean like there's values that the character Kid Bandit preaches that I'm trying to adhere to in my personal life. I try to 
share that journey as I discover how to be a better person, how to be a protagonist, as it were, uh, live through the ideals that, you know, I base my character out of, like, I base it off anime, shonen anime specifically, where there's a lot of, like, perseverance, a lot of, like, never giving up kind of, like, trope that that's pretty commonplace. Therefore, you know, um, I, I like to detail my struggles. I like to detail that for the world to see. And I like to detail me overcoming those struggles because ultimately I get to use my platform not only to elevate my brand, make money. I also get to use it to inspire people. And I think that's the coolest thing because I never I never once in my, life, my lifetime ever thought I'd get to this position. So that now that I'm here, I want to make sure I maximize that. I don't I don't take it for granted, as it were. So how does that feel to be able to call yourself a pro wrestler, to have made it and broke into the business? How does that feel personally to achieve one of your goals? I I mean, it's weird because like I've been training for a while. It's kind of been a part of my life. Like uh, before COVID, every week I was training. I was I was there uh, at the dojo four days a week. I never really missed a day. Um, I wanted to hold my craft, get really good. This was my life, you know. Like I had a job, but like I also always always made time for wrestling because because it's a passion of mine. Because I like I, like we detailed earlier, I'm a student of the game. I wanted to make sure that I earned my spot and be able to call myself a pro wrestler is like a lifelong dream of mine. Uh, my debut happened like you know in the nightmare factory and if you look on youtube that's like the most watched showcase uh, of the factory as it were which i'm really grateful for so 180 people 180,000 people i'm sorry saw my debut match uh i cody tweeted the class photo i went viral off that so there's definitely a lot of uh, there's a lot of pressure that came about uh about with my uh uh, when I was able to finally call myself a pro wrestler. And it's kind of like a rite of passage to like not call yourself a, like you can train for like years and years and years, but you, you only really want to call yourself a pro wrestler when you finally debut in front of people, finally have your match and all that stuff. And I got to do that. Um, to call myself a pro wrestler, it means it means the world to me because I get to live my childhood dream. And, and it's weird because I, I grew up in the Philippines. Uh, I grew up in poverty, relative poverty. I'm not that poor, but you know, I wasn't like swinging like cash either. So, and and I I, I didn't live I, li I didn't live in a hut. I lived in a house, but I didn't I I wasn't like it wasn't I wasn't living in luxury. I didn't have internet. I didn't have all that stuff. I didn't have like like leisure leisure items that like I enjoy now here in America. So, so this dream was kind of like uh it, it was like in the stars you'd never really reach it but then as time went by you know you realize that like no it's attainable it's definitely attainable and i took a leap of faith you know as it were um i got to i got to this point i get to make a living doing wrestling i get to make a profit you know i like money so i get to make a, a profit off wrestling i get to not only make a profit but inspire people um uh, and i think that's the coolest thing like i'm going to probably keep circling back to that because um, I think a big part of my relative success is because I like to to engage with like my fans and and they like to engage back. So yeah, and they're very vocal and I love them so much. My friggins, yes, yeah. That's awesome. Um, so as a young fan in the Philippines, how were you first exposed to wrestling? Uh. So my very very first exposure would be when uh my friends were all into it. 
I did not have cable, and in order for me to fit in, I lied to all of them and said I did watch wrestling, even though I had no idea who anybody was, and, like, I would just kind of, like, steer conversations, like, oh, yeah, I've heard of this person, I've heard that person, without ever being specific. I ended up watching a SmackDown in a hotel on my way to the provinces uh, when I was visiting my grandparents. I saw the very first, my very first exposure is, ironically enough, uh, the Eddie versus Ray angle about the custody of Dominic. The very first thing I ever witnessed was Eddie giving brain, a brain buster to Ray Mysterio on steel steps. It might have been suplex, but you know the, the details are vague. And then he rips his mask off and and he coins the iconic phrase "I'm your papi," and it was like, "Oh, what the hell is this?" You know? Yeah. And I realized, oh, this is the wrestling that all my friends are into and all that stuff. And in order for me to fit in, I got the video game. I couldn't keep track of like the current storylines because I didn't have cable. I barely got the, I got the PS2 right as the PS3 came along. So, like, I didn't really have, like, you know, I was late in the game. I only had one video game for he, entire, almost, like, an entire year. You know, I played Tekken 5 and SmackDown Bros. 2007. When 2008 came along, I had to make, I made sure I was able to get 2008. And then I moved to America. And, like, life got, like, life definitely got a lot better financially because I was uh, living with my father and my mother at the same time. Uh, they were able to like the, the income here was a lot better than it was in the Philippines. We were I was living in like I was middle class in America, but being middle class in America is like living first class in the Philippines, you know. So, so that's how, that's that's the the instant dynamic shift kind of made me like more of a fan because like now it's more accessible now. Now every like I didn't have cable in America, but like I had SmackDown and it's like on like you know it's it's on free TV, so I was able to keep track more and more and more, and. Uh, you know, I had internet here, so even if I couldn't keep track of like the current storylines on TV, I would just Google. You know, I, I like to keep myself familiar, as it were. Um. So, how old were you when you came to the states? Thirteen. Thirteen. Did you feel like there was a a big culture shift for you coming from the Philippines and coming into the United States as a thirteen year old? I mean, preteens that preteen age is tough. Oh yeah, I mean like. So the Philippines is actually known for having like really good uh, English speaking um, curriculums in their schools. And however, I wasn't like you know really good at it. So when I came to America, my English was broken, and I had a really really thick accent, which I got bullied for. I got bullied for my th- thick accent. I got bullied for the culture shock. You know, I had no idea what was going on. I I didn't know what the burrito was. I was like, what the hell is this? You know, so. <laughs> So my, I remember my first day in school, like I spilled beans all over my white shirt. It was just like, I was like, and I was like dead, deathly worried. I was going to be forever known as like bean burrito, like, you know, and yeah, no, it, the culture shock was there. I didn't really know a lot of people. I had like one friend growing up, you know, like in, at least when, when I came to America and then, and then I learned like, you know, the subculture, the emo alternative subculture kind of got into that, you know? I uh, lost some weight because uh, I, I really wanted to, like, just, like, have that ideal look. Um, and then, and yeah, it, it, it wasn't easy, but it, it, it eventually I kind of found my footing, you know, learned how to fit in, got rid of my accent, which you can barely hear it now. It, it comes out every once in a while, especially when I get inebriated. Now, now you definitely <laughs> hear it, but... Um, when I don't have like my, you know, like I, I didn't really have wrestling friends growing up. So like, 
it. And, and it was around that time. I believe I moved it 2008, and I was a fan from, like, 2008 to, like, 2011. I was keeping track. And eventually, like, you know, like, there was that dark period in WWE where every, everyone was kind of, like, turned off by it because of the, P, the, the, the advent of the PG era. Like, I, I'm not going to lie. Chris Benoit was one of my favorites. When, when, he could, when he did what he did, it was really, really hard to, like, enjoy wrestling for a while because, like, I was like, oh, like, that was my idol. Why did he do that, you know? And, and then we got to that point where I'm learning how to enjoy it again. And I, I, I credit CM Punk for that. Cause like, cause I, I remember I stopped watching wrestling right as Jeff left WWE. Cause like, he was kind of like the one thing that anchored me to the WWE when he left after the CM Punk feud and he debuted in impact. I was like, I don't really watch impact, but like, you know, I'll try because Jeff's here, but like, and then the victory road thing happened. It was like, oh, okay, like, yeah, I'm going to not watch wrestling for a while. And, you know, but then, and then ironically enough, CM Punk's, like, my pipe bomb also happened in 2011. So there's that. So it was one of those things where it was hard for me to keep track. Then Jeff left. CM Punk did the pipe bomb, and I kind of came back. I tried to keep track of Jeff again. And, you know, and, and eventually I fell back in love with it because like i discovered nxt and nxt had really 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 good wrestling at one point um and that was like how i got back into like the swing of things and i've always been a big big fan like even if i didn't watch the wrestling i always bought the video games i always always did you know and it got to the point where i don't watch the product but i would get the game and i would get like i would see all these like new wrestlers uh, and i'm like who the hell are these people because i don't watch the product on tv and then but i would be familiar with them through the video games so sorry i, I went off totally no, no off worries <laughs> uh you touched on eddie and ray when you were when you were young do you remember that first match you watched when you saw it you were like this is what i want to do this is what i want to be uh not from my childhood no because like i said like because i was growing up in poverty like my yeah. dreams were i it, 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 like I'm, I'm i'm in that weird boat where like i get to honestly say that uh no i it, this was never my dream as a child because it, it just felt impossible like it would mm -hmm. be it would have been nice to like openly dream about it but like you grew up in the philippines there's no filipino wrestlers there's like batista batista was like the only one we knew about and batista was also like six foot five jack this you know <laughs> can be i i was being realistic like there's no way a kid from like antipolo philippines would ever become a pro wrestler right never 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 perform in like you know the the big leagues and and I, I I lived in poverty. I would sell cigarettes to like you know, like I would illegally sell cigarettes when I was a child to like fund for my snacks and for my dinner and stuff like that. We were we were poor. It was it was terrible. And like I wouldn't you know, but I was managing by like you know, so yeah. So I have a little bit. I have a little bit of like street cred. You know, I'm kind of I I really was a bandit at one point, right? <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, um, let's jump ahead to the start of your career. How did you go about getting into the Nightmare Factory? What was that process like for you choosing that school? I'm a big Cody Rhodes fan. <laughs> uh, I I remember 2009 SmackDown vs. I think it might be, might be 2010, but I'm pretty, it, it was right after 08 for sure because it was on the PS3. And I just picked Cody for my season mode. And I was just like, nah, like, Cody, Cody's my, Cody, Cody's my character. And, like, this is coming from someone who doesn't really keep track on TV because, like, I didn't have access to it, right? I mean, I did at this point in my life, but, like, you know, it, it wasn't, like, all, all the time. I didn't have, like, 
I, it was it wasn't easy to access it, and I think it was around the, this time where WWE never really let like their product get on YouTube, right? Like they were like really hampering down on like copyright strikes off YouTube. So, so like my connections to like the wrestlers would come uh come from like my video game interactions, and Cody just had the coolest moveset, you know. Like Crossroads was like one of my favorite moves growing up and stuff like that. So I was a big Cody fan always have been right even stardust like i know like people had mixed feelings of stars he probably has mixed feelings or i never asked but like i love i love love stardust and like it was kind of just kind of sad that like you know he got he one of the things that he says he never wants to be stardust again i'm like no no like you know i love stardust and so i so i me because i was such a big cody fan when i found out he had a school i checked it out you know but it seemed impossible it's like oh you have to move to atlanta to do that you know and the pandemic wasn't making anything easy right i was already in the midst of training and then i, I saw brooke havoc who was I, I was friends with on facebook like she posted that on like oh i'm you know i'm brooke havoc from the nightmare factory i'm like okay if she did it and she's from like norcal and i was thinking if she can do that then I have no excuse. I can take my ass over to like Atlanta and I can learn from my hero. And I told my, my, my um, best friend Ish, who I, I was tag team part. I'm tag team champions with Ish right now. So, so like, you know, I told him, Hey, let's do this together. Like, it might make everything easy if we, you and I were like teaming up and doing it like at the same time. And we did, uh, we debuted, made our networking and connected with everybody there. And sure enough, you know, like, like it's, it's been uphill since then. And I hope it continues to be uphill, you know? That's awesome. Uh, when you were going through your school, what was the schedule and the grind like for you when you were training first off, when you very first entered the school, what was the schedule like? Are you talking about Nightmare Factory or my initial training at Santino's? Uh, Nightmare Factory. Schedule is like, we trained at nights, uh, four days a week. Uh, lots of work and uh, very lots of lots of lots of like body conditioning, lots of wrestling too. Uh, I want to say one of the best things I learned about going there was like uh, one of the owners in school, Carolyn. She's a nutritionist. She pointed me to the right direction of like what to eat properly, you know, to like get, gain the most benefits and get the body like body type you want. So I've been that's one big takeaway like learning how to eat brown rice learning how to eat chicken how, how to eat steak and then that's like the weirdest advice like you know but like the other thing i learned is that this is a showbiz uh your look and your presentation are very very important and that's one thing i learned to like cultivate like you know obviously with my hair with like my gear with like making my moveset match my gear because like my original school i loved it but like i I did like notice that one of the big big problems I, I like suffered through that was because like I didn't know who I was yet. You know, I didn't know what the Kid Bandit character was. I didn't even have Kid Bandit as the ring name when I went to the factory because I was so busy working on the moves because that's all I wanted to do. I wanted to be like the next coming of like Ricochet and stuff like that. And uh, and like when I started training, I was like 250 pounds obese over at Santino. So it was it was one of those things where I wanted to like just be known as the flipping, flipping, uh, very athletic uh, wrestler. And when I went to the factory, I learned that like I don't need to be that. I could be. I mean, I I still I still cultivate that. Don't get me wrong, but I and I still like to like show off that I can do certain cool moves. But it was one of those things where I'd rather I'd rather work on how I could connect to people. And that's the best takeaway I learned from that school. Uh, 
So working with uh, Cody Rhodes and QT Marshall at the, the Nightmare Factory, the Rhodes family is synonymous in wrestling as being one of uh, the first families of the wrestling industry. So what does it feel like to be able to come from that family tree and that coaching circle to have trained with that family specifically? I, not, not that you put it into words, I'm just like, holy crap, you're right. <laughs> like, <laughs> that is kind of absurd. Like, I mean, in a great way, like, oh my gosh, like, yeah. <laughs> like, if you look at the, I mean, pun intended, if you look at the pedigree of the talent that Dusty trained, mm-hmm. really, like, the NXT kids, like, Seth Rollins, and even the people that he trained before, and the influence Dusty had in the business, you know, like, whoa (laughs) (laughs) and and that now we're looking at cody and like and often forgotten and i'm not often forgotten but often overlooked dustin Rhodes as well you know whoa just blew (laughs) your mind a little bit with that one didn't i (laughs) you you really you really did yeah i mean i'm looking at it and i'm just like that's an absolute privilege um bye but because I openly represent the Nightmare Factory, I have a lot more pressure now to not only do good, but because like now I represent Cody Rhodes. My my success is, I mean, I, obviously like Cody's going to succeed no matter how I do, but my successes reflect on his teachings, his venture into training the next generation. And I like to think that he did a good job with me uh some standouts from the nightmare factory cody chun who went to camp five uh, killing it in the north uh, pacific northwest uh dylan mcqueen uh who i recently shared a car with at gcw uh big a brunch carly bravo who was there as well for ziki dice and for for the culture uh darren bengston who uh, he never really trained with us at the nightmare factory nightmare factory but he was trained by qt he shares the ring with us all the time you know he he he's from there so so our successes reflect on the teachings of our coaches. Uh, they get to take credit of our successes because we they they are they are our trainers. Uh, I credit I credit Cody a lot, even though I, even though my interaction with him was only three months. You know, three months. Uh, you know, I I I have I have a really good base foundation that I learned from Santinas. I'll never discredit them for like you know starting my career in the right path, and I still train with them all the time. They are probably like the best wrestling school in the West Coast, like bar none. Like it's not even like it, in my my humble opinion, you know. But my interaction, my br- very very brief interaction with Cody compared to like my other like my training in other places, like I mean, it could be because I'm a big Cody Rhodes fan. But like I took their teachings to heart. I took a lot of like what they said, and I live. I try to live by that. And like they never really, they touched upon a lot of like moves, sure. But their Cody's role in the factory, in the Nightmare Factory, was a lot of like character development, promos, how to, how to make the most out of being you, you know absolutely um you've had a chance to work some really really cool shows including some aew dark events what was it like having a chance to work for aew i mean my very first aew match was against cody yo like what the hell and fuego <laughs> who was coming in firing hot all cylinders from like the big fuego del sol like moment where you know they just got signed they were like and they still are incredible like hot talent in AEW right now and i got to do that like teaming up with dean alexander who you know main events all the nightmare factory showcases you know dean dean is great talent 
and he's involved with like the vlog crew and all that stuff. So like I was surrounded. Like I I debuted on AEW Dark the same night and Brian Danielson debuted in AEW Dark. And I think that's the coolest thing ever, you know. I'm sharing a card with like Adam Cole, like with with freaking <laughs> like oh my gosh, you know, like I was just mind blown. And like and this my first appearance on Dark happened three months into my career. So oh, that's I, amazing. I was like, I was like freaking the hell out. I was like, no way this is happening. But it validated a lot of my struggles. A lot of people looked at me and thought that like, oh, you spent like all that money to train with Cody and like you will get, get nothing for it. No, absolutely not. Like I gained knowledge, invaluable knowledge, which I live with today. Like I, like that's, I credit a lot of my successes because I followed their doctrine, you know, like like connecting with fans like that that's the one thing that like i think more more talent need to like work on is just connecting with people because a lot of like unfortunately unfortunately in my humble opinion a lot of like my peers they instead of trying to connect with fans they try to like pop the people like pop pop the boys in the back as it were like you know and that's a they're they're there's something wrong with being competitive I love the competitive. I'm kind of competitive, you know, like, but that being said, like, if you're too busy competing with each other, trying to like show, oh, look at what I can do. No, look what I can do. Then like, they might, you might end up having a disconnect with the crowd. You know, you're connecting with your friends backstage, but like the fans, you gotta understand what they want. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta cater to them because at the end of the day, we're entertainers. And we are in an industry that tries to connect with people. So it's all about connecting with them. And your cool moves will not connect with as much people as you can if, if they've seen that cool move done by like five other people in the same night. You know, you know what I'm saying? And that's something I learned, like, you know, from like working m- multiple, multiple shows, from from talking with veterans in the business. Like, you know, I'm, th- these, are, these are my words, sure, and I live by them, but these aren't like something that I like preach because I learned that very, I learned this very, very, very recently. It wasn't that long ago where my whole thought process was, I'm going to find the highest thing in the building and jump off that and see how much of a reaction I can get. Now, now my thought process is how, what will I, what can I do that will entertain the crowd the most, you know? And if it, if it means I have to jump off the building, then I'll do that. But like, you know, like, I just want to, as a student in the craft, I want to make sure that I maximize the teachings of the people that took me under their wing. And I've been lucky enough that a lot of people have, um, Lindsay Dorado, who I recently shared a card with, was very, very like open about like helping me grow. Uh, Serpenico and Luther, who were just incredible human beings, just like, you know, they kind of took me under their wing. Nyla Rose, just like is my my mother on Twitter now, so it's amazing, you know. So I'm I'm very grateful and very like fortunate to be in this like wonderful position i mean like buff bagwell is my uncle now like warhorse is my older brother like what is my life right now this is wild and like if you told me that this was gonna be me like three months ago five months ago nine months ago i'd be like nah no i I thought i'd be wrestling in like you know like in the same spot over and over and over again for an entire year but absolutely not like i've been fortunate that i get to travel and I'm, I, I got to this position that takes people years and years to like achieve. 
and I'm very grateful. And I, I it's hard to keep, it's hard to stay grounded, but I, I try my best, you know. Absolutely. Uh, so when you were on your dark, just kind of backtracking a little bit, when you Sorry, that, I went off. No, 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 no. Go on your tangents. I love that. Uh, when you're at dark specifically, you mentioned that you had a chance to, uh, to run a match with Cody. Was this the first time that you had a chance to run a match full speed with him since you got into school? I've worked with Cody a couple of times in the factory because uh, he wrestles like you. Like He would go into that ring and be like, all right, let's work on stuff, you know. But it was never like whenever I worked with Cody, it was because like they were teaching us some certain moves or they were teaching us how to work the camera. They were they were asking like us, like show them what we're, we are, what we can do, what our styles were. I'm sorry. And my uh, I had a vision of what I want to be. I like to think that I'm trying to be as innovative as possible. Uh, so it, there's that little bit of a disconnect that, that the traditional wrestling fan wouldn't understand. And Cody saw what I was trying to do and they, they really helped me kind of put it into like the pro wrestling mindset. Um, because, because I love wrestling. But my thought process coming in was I want to do like Tekken as a wrestler, like Tekken or like Kung Fu movies, you know, just just flashy martial artsy stuff. And this is coming from someone who doesn't really have a great martial arts background to begin with. So it's like this is like so there's a lot that was lost in translation. Um, they helped me kind of figure that out. But it when I worked with them on Dark, you know, I only really did a couple of things with them, but it was a lot of like, okay, like I, I need to make sure that whatever I do in this moment, I kill it because not only am I wrestling my childhood idol, I am doing it in the company that they started, that they're the vice president of in the semi-main event, where the main event is Brian Danielson's debut on Dark. And like oh my gosh, like, there's so much pressure. There's so much pressure. So, and and there was a lot of, like, backstage stuff that kind of, like, you know, every there were so many moving pieces that night that, like, I was kind of lost. Like, I had no idea what was going on. I was just like, hey, man, I just want, I, I'm just here. I, I just want to do good, fam. Like, you know, like, that's all I want to do, man. Like, that's my childhood hero. I'm about to, like, kick them in the head, you know? <laughs> Um, so this past weekend in Dallas, you got to participate in a really cool event, working for equality for all and Effie's big gay brunch. How was the show? Wow. It was, uh, it was great. I, I haven't really, I haven't really, I, I've never really said this to anyone because I wanted to keep everything positive, but I was walking around Dallas feminine. Uh, I'm, I'm getting more comfortable with that. And it did get harassed by a couple of like, I don't even know if they're wrestling fans there. I think they were just like drunks or like, you know, just rowdy people. And it kind of broke my heart because this was like literally the day before the brunch. I was like, this is not happening right now, bro. Like, are you kidding me right now? Like, I'm about to like do a show about equality. Like, you know, I'm here, I'm here to stand for like trans rights. It was like, Texas has a lot of eyes right trans laws and stuff like that. And I'm learning how to be more feminine on the go. Like, you know, I usually just do it at home because I'm barely fine. Like, I've always kind of known I was trans non-binary. I just did not know that, like, you know, like, I did not know it in my, you know, body. My heart knew, my mind knew, but I wasn't, like, accepting it yet. Wrestling was my, like, kind of like the catalyst that let me be the real me. So when I... You know, and as time went by and everybody's very highly receptive of like the feminine me, I would be more open to being that. 
when I got to Dallas, I was I was feminine. I I looked great. I got so many photos, but it it did it did at one point like you know, and it wasn't like it wasn't I was being harassed because I was like trans. It was just being I was harassed because I was feminine. Like they were just like there was just making some really unwanted passes, and I was just like, yo, what the fuck, you know, like. Oh, I'm sorry for cussing. Uh, no, no, no worries. I can, I can work on that. That's not an issue at all. Um, yeah. So keeping it going ready, uh, having experienced the GCW sanctioned event with uh, the Big Gay Brunch, what was the difference in being with a GCW event versus an AEW event? Like what were the big differences between the two companies? Uh, one, one is definitely an indie fed. One's a more of a major production quality event. Uh, the difference is it's like let's say I was a guitar player and one of them I'm playing for Bon Jovi like I'm filling in for the guitar player Bon Jovi so sold out Coliseum lots of pyro lots of fireworks production quality is insane great show you know I got to play with Bon Jovi the other one is like let's say I'm playing for like Green Day you know but Green Day from like the 90s right where where this the venue's a lot smaller but so much more intimate like the fans are literally like right there you know there's like no barricade different genre very very different genre but a lot, a lot grittier a lot more um a lot more vocal too like as far as like like being punk rock like you know like I guess, I guess what I mean to say is I could cuss at GCW's big game brunch <laughs> and I can't do that in AEW. I'm also, uh, I'm also, I'm also, uh, my role in, in GCW was a lot more broad. Like, you know, like I had more creative control of what I want to do. AEW is more like, how can I make the sign talent look better? Uh, how can I make them look great? Uh, because that's my job out there. My job is to, and as an enhancement talent, the key word is enhance. So, I how how can I enhance my opponent? How what can I do to make them look good? Versus a GCW where your job is to like, hey, this is me. This is what I bring to the table. Here's all my cool moves. Here's all my character. Here's everything. Like this is why you should pay attention to me. This is why you should watch the product. This is you why you paying for the product. Because I gotta be honest, like. You don't go to an AEW dark taping and you don't see who's advertised for matches. You, as far as enhancement talents goes, right? It's always a surprise. So uh, you'll see, oh, like, this will be an action. Uh, Jade Cargill. Cool. All right. Where's their opponent? No, you, you will figure that out during the day of. But Jade Cargill will be in action and they'll wrestle someone that got brought in as enhancement talent. But Jade Cargill will be in action. Versus GCW, where I was announced specifically as an individual. It's like, Kid Bandit is in the big game brunch. Cool. I did not know who I was facing until, like, a week of. But, you know, that that, that was part of, like, what made it cool, right? So, there, there it was. Okay, you spoke on it a little bit before, but people like Nyla Rose and Buff Bagel have both taken a liking to you in real life and on social media. What do you... What do you feel and what is it like? Can you speak on what it means to have the support of both the stars in the past and the stars in the present, like having your back and representing what you're doing right now? I'm, I'm a big mark. So I'm, like, <laughs> I'm really giddy. <laughs> and, and, and I think that's kind of like a known 
fact now because like the the most traction I've ever gotten on the internet is when I was marking out to Cody on WrestleMania. Like, you know, hey, I, I could do a spiral tap, I could do a Phoenix Flash, I could do all these cool flips and moves, but the the video of me just like going, yeah, to Cody like debuting at me, and that was like the most I've ever gotten traction for. So I guess it's okay for me to admit I'm a big mark. You know, like, hey, sue me. I'm sorry. I'm a big wrestling fan and I happen to, like, be also a wrestler. Well, like, what a coincidence, you know. So, seeing Buff and Nyla and, and like, Serpentico and Luther and, and, like, Abaddon today, I was like, what? Like, Abaddon, like, those are, I mean, I met Abaddon before, but, like, they, 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 they like me? What? Like, that's so cool. That's so cool, you know. Uh, I'm friends with a couple of people in NXT, and I'm like, yo, like, do you not know that you're a part of, like, WWE, and you're my friend? Like, that is so dope, you know? <laughs> so, sorry, I'm like, so yeah, like, I'm just genuinely excited, you know? I, I like to think that, like, I, I take it absolutely serious that, like, you know, they, they took a liking to me, because, like, because, like, if I screw it up, and they openly advocate for me, then that that that's a bad look on them. So it's also added pressure to like always be on like top of your game. But it's also like I just think it's the coolest thing ever, you know. I'm just like, what the hell, yo? Like I watched Nyla Rose win that the woman's title and I was like, yo, and now they're my mother. What? That's crazy. That is crazy. It's crazy. So, I'm mom. <laughs> Sunny Kiss is also like you know, like I love Sunny. Like even back in Lucha Underground, and I was just like, when I met them, like I every time I run into them, it's really hard to talk because I like yo, I I look up to you a lot. <laughs> like you know, like, and, and Sunny Kiss, man, like like they're such a beautiful human being. And when I I mean, I would see them at the factory, Nightmare Factory, because they would come by. I actually cut a promo. Like, one of the pr- first promos I ever cut is Kid Bandit. I think it might be my very first promo ever, actually, as Kid Bandit, because I didn't have my ring name figured out. So I came in. I did my promo, all that stuff. I think Sunny Kiss was in that room. It might be. It might not be the first. No, it absolutely was the first promo, because I remember freaking out, because I'm like, what the... What, what's going on like oh my gosh you know like cody like cody's here like all the people i look up to are in this room right now and i'm i don't remember any of my lines so here we go let's do it <laughs> yeah that's awesome um let's do some rapid fire questions real quick before we wrap it up tonight i've really had a chance uh loved having a chance talking to you uh rapid fire questions ready go what's your favorite color uh orange what's your favorite musical artist or performing group I against me. Uh, favorite fast food. Oh gosh, Jack in the Box. Good pick. Uh, who's your dream match opponent? Uh, Cody past Rhodes. or present? Cody Rhodes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> favorite anime. Uh, Trigun. See, when I was uh, when I watched anime, I was a real big Dragon Ball fan, real big into Gundam Wing. So uh, I was oh curious God. about the Gundam. Yeah? It's so funny that you say that because on the drive home, I was listening to the Gundam Wing like theme, like the Just Communication. So that, I think that's the coolest thing. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, last question for you. What's new and exciting in the world for Kid Bandit? What's coming down the pipes for you? 
I am a YouTuber now. Yay. And I plan to make YouTube videos consistently. It's going to be funny content. And the best part is it's not all going to be about wrestling. I, I, I am branching out to try to reach like, you know, just like not wrestling fans, because I think that's the coolest thing is like, if I can get like mainstream, mainstream non-wrestling fans into like pro wrestling, because because what I do, I like, it might be a kind of like a controversial opinion, but I see it as performance art. You know, it's, I think, I, I think at this point, everybody knows it's kayfabe, right? Like, you know, it's, it's a work. So it, so I, I, I openly view it as performance art. I advocate that for people to come see, because like, I think this is the coolest thing in the world, like pro wrestling. I mean, we are the quintessential performer. We are actors. We are stunt people. We are, we are comedians. We are fighters. You know, like we are all these things combined into one, and it's all live. There is no retakes. There's no reshoots. There's no camera angles to hide from the live audience. It's all live, and we're all hitting each other. It's not like, it's not like you could like whiff somebody, and if you whiff somebody, you're ruining the business or whatever. You know, so there's that um and i like to think that if if i could like showcase that to like people who get turned off from the art of professional wrestling because it's fake then and i can show them hey yo so what we do is like scripted but it's also like hey i'm gonna i'm gonna kick them in the head and they just have to trust me that i'm not gonna murder them you know so there it is Excellent. Uh, where can the people find you? For those that may not be familiar with Kid Bandit, what, uh, where can they find you online? Uh, everything is under Kid Bandit Pro. Um, no, I do not have an OnlyFans yet. So, <laughs> so there, there's that. Excellent. Well, uh, I appreciate you stopping by and chatting about some wrestling and uh, hope you all the best in the future. Thank you so much. It was wonderful. Now, as we close another episode of Box Spots and Cheer Shots, I'm going to take a minute and thank you for listening. I want to remind you to go to wherever you do anything on the internet. Google, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, literally anywhere you have all the options. Like, follow, subscribe, unsubscribe, then subscribe again. Leave a comment telling us how great we are, how terrible we sound. Either way, it helps the algorithm and it helps find new listeners. Now, if you're feeling really generous and are wanting to be one of those VIP people, you can head over to Patreon at Smack Draw and donate to the Smack Draw Podcast Network. Get you some swag and help us get some special guests. It's a win-win. As always, I'm your host, V. Will Gray. Thanks for stopping by and listening, my people. 